going to be more dynamic. Right? Um, <clears throat> within the next decade, the new technologies, uh, the critical infrastructure industries, um, research and development, all of this will be completely transformed, progressed, um, optimized by 5G. And then, um, as I said before, the, within the next five years, there will be um, probably less than five years, but certainly uh, five years on the outside, there will emerge a global dominant player in 5G that will have a fair degree of, of control. So it's one thing to dominate an industry, it's another thing to control it. Yeah? Oh, and I saw this on a, on a billboard. And it's uh, a nice visual. The nervous system of the 21st century network. What does that mean? Um, a couple of things. Um, we talk about the internet and the great question the gentleman asked earlier about just the, the security of the internet, the lack thereof of the internet, <coughs> is one thing. It's going to just augment or, or increase those insecurities exponentially uh, with 5G leading to the next generation internet, which is the industrial. What does that mean? That means all these uh, industrial systems, critical infrastructure, um, your, your, key, your, your key sectors are going to be transformed by 5G <coughs> and, and with that the emerging technologies. The underpinning will be 5G. It is so important to get it right. One of the things I heard someone say um, in Japan is that from a company standpoint, from a country government uh, decision-making standpoint, this is one of the, the most critical and strategically important questions that, that nations need to get right. Why? Because this isn't just a matter of, of choosing your local phone provider <coughs> who's going to provide your cable. The decision of who a nation is going to utilize to deploy 5G is, is pretty much a one-time decision. Why? Because once you go with a 5G network platform, it is, uh, to say the least, financially uh, uh, undesirable <coughs> to change horses, but also logistically to rip out what you have and go with a different provider, pretty much. And that's something that all the players know. It's very important to be the first uh, provider of a 5G solution. And one point to that that just complicates things from a US-China standpoint is that um, whoever has a 4G network already implemented, deployed, right? So let's say in the 60 plus countries where Huawei has 4G, um, uh, networks deployed uh, in backbone infrastructure. That these countries want to take their Huawei 4G and use a competitor's 5G, uh, doesn't look that way. You have to rip out the 4G, start over, um, and then, and, and that obviously becomes logistically and financially just. If not impossible, it's certainly ludicrous. And that's one of the reasons why we saw 
um, British Telecom make the um, understandable uh, decision to go with Huawei for their uh, for their 5G. And it wasn't it wasn't because um, or only because it was the least expensive because they had a great relationship with Huawei. I used to work for British Telecom for 10 years, and in 2005, British Telecom used Huawei to to uh, provide the 21st century network. So UK and Huawei have been working together since 2005. It is no surprise whatsoever to anyone who understands that they work with 5G. The only surprise was that they mitigated uh, and said only 35%. Anyway, I don't want to get down into the weeds, but the point being is that um, <clears throat> Huawei has the advantage to deploy 5G everywhere they already have. Um, so, it's um, saying this is going to be a revolution in industrial processes. I, I think this is a, is a fair point. Uh, as I said before, it's not just having millions more devices to be all connected. It's instantaneous connection. I know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I actually live G. Sometimes very generous. I live in the middle of nowhere, and, and so my connectivity is is off. So um, uh, our ability to, to become a little bit more um, secure from such But we're, we're years away from that. Um, and then um, last, uh, last thing I want to make a point on, on 5G is that 5G itself relies upon a whole uh, suite of technologies, existing technologies, right? Semiconductors, fiber optics, and so on. I, I want to just say, um, semiconductors, um, <coughs> especially, I'm going to use an, an example in a moment. Key actors. Um, as, the, um, as the video said, there, there's a lot. There's, there's many um, 5G actors. Um, the ones that I want to focus on today are, um, for the purposes of this, Huawei, Nokia, and Ericsson. <coughs> um, First of all, these three are the what we call kit providers. They provide the actual hardware software solution. So how do they stack up against each other? Huawei and a turn over 170 billion. And that uh, the study that I saw gives China 40% of the 5G um, market right now. But it included CTE which is a, another 5G provider, another Chinese uh, company. Not unlike Huawei, but much, much, much professional. Um, I would say, if I would, had to guess, between Huawei and CTE, that 40%, uh, that, that at least 30, 35% Huawei, and, and the other 5 to 10% um, CTE. Finland's Nokia has 17% 5G network currently. These, um, these uh, uh, percentages are beginning of this year, so they're fairly um, recent. Um, and then Ericsson, 14%. <coughs> what does that mean? That <laughs> just means that Huawei really is, as we already know, uh, all know, it, they are the 600-pound gorilla in this space. They are the dominant player. They are the number one. And the other thing about the, the just deploying 5G, um, as most technologies, the more the, the more presence you have, the stronger you become, and the 
easier or cheaper you can then continue to deploy, right? You've got scale. So um, Huawei wins the scale um, competition. Uh, next uh, actor, obviously, the US government. Um, key points on that, we have no 5G equipment manufacturing. A lot of people say, well, well we outsourced that uh, a long time ago. I think um, it was short-sighted on, uh, in, from uh, many technology companies' perspective in the U.S., thinking like so many uh, technologies, <coughs> telecom and, and wireless otherwise, is commoditized. Well, surprise. I think um, uh, U.S. companies were very much caught me out of theirs. Um, and the lack of a 5G equipment provider is, is certainly uh, highlighted that fact also. But what does that mean we need to do? Uh, it's, it's not enough, I think, and many of my um, colleagues, it's not enough for the U.S. to say, you guys can't use Huawei. You allies, we don't want you to use Huawei. You have to come up with a ready. You can't just say, don't do this. You've got to give a solution, an alternative. And that is what um, the U.S. is working on now. And I, uh, that is what I'm, I'm going to mention uh, in the very last slide to talk about some of those alternatives that we're looking, looking at. Um, the other key actor, obviously, China. Um, China, like, like many of their uh, other policies, um, especially key policies, it's an all-of-nation um, all approach. All government agencies, all companies, all businesses, all academia are, are um, in unison. They are, they are um, tasked with uh, objectives, marching orders, talking points, whatever you want to It is, you will follow this, you will do this, and it is simply with control from the system. This is unlike any other, um, any other nation um, uh, in the world in the technology like this, and it's one of the reasons why they are so successful and, and so compelling as a uh, competitor, right? And then um, um, Five Eyes, that's the reference to the intelligence partners, uh, US, UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the EU, and the rest of the world. And the reason why I put those uh, is just that, as I said before, the, the decision that these countries make on who they're going to uh, use for their 5G provider is very important, but also who they're going to support. Of mine, a Chinese colleague of mine, um, had in a presentation, and I thought it was extremely illustrative from the standpoint of seeing that 5G is the <coughs> epicenter of not only existing technologies, um, but emerging technologies, existing industries, you know, agriculture, distance learning, uh, so on and so forth. Um, China has been, has been planning uh, on 5G being at the center of not only all these technologies, but the, the control, uh, the dominance, potential control of these technologies. And it was uh, it, it was announced in 2015, five years ago, 
what is it? They basically said, our strategy is to dominate, to control these 10 industries. And that's a, a list of them. Now, <laughs> they happen to be uh, all the same technologies that 5G is going to enable. Mm. Um, from a very high level standpoint. Um, now, my colleagues and I have also said that if you look back over the last five years, this Made in China 2025 policy, this decision, also is a great roadmap to the industries and therefore associated companies that China has um, stolen IP from, bought IP, um, forced transfer uh, of, of IP uh, from any any means, uh, cyber, insider threats, thousand talents. Um, it's it's very clear. <laughs> you, if you just look at the, the companies that are in this industry, and you go back and you look at um, um, the the cyber breaches, the cyber attacks perpetrated by China in these companies, you can kind of see there is a uh, there is a, a strategy behind it. There's a rhyme to the reason. Yes, sir. Don't pay attention to what I say. Pay attention to what I do. It's still very much in the. Uh, it's, it's, say it's very much a focus of what China's doing. That um, that I think countries like Japan, Germany, the U.S., um, <coughs> the U.K. that have been victims of this. Uh, let's say. Um, Exploitation of intellectual property that along these ten industries, it's very clear that this is a capability that China is not only very good at, but is very, very ubiquitously practiced. I have a question about Huawei. Um, simplistically, uh, a couple of points. Number one. If, in fact, Huawei's equipment does have the ability to exfiltrate data from companies and countries and illegally share that data with China's Communist Party for their benefit, um, that's a threat to national security. Let's say that it's... Uh, U.S. government information, or even if it's corporate information, intellectual property, that's economic security. And something, Booth and I have talked about this for years, economic security of the nation is also national security. You cannot divorce the two. So a lot of people are thinking, is national security means, you know, military or you know, fighting, uh, in the sense of like a, even like the Cold War with Russia. It's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be military. And I think economic security is far more, uh, is a certain form of threatened um, 5G. But I think it's, um, it's far more in danger than, let's say, uh, we're not concerned that China is going to attack us militarily. 
um, China has no interest in doing that either. So you compare it to Cold War, where Russia, through use of their proxies over from all the decades of Cold War, it was very military. And by by um, comparison, they also they had no economy. They couldn't. They couldn't um, compete with the U.S. economically. They were not a threat to our nation economically. They were a threat to our nation militarily. So that's, a, I think, a big difference between Cold War Russia and Cold War Turo with, with China. examples of it, but I don't want to get into the weeds. Um, I'll just simply say, a recent enacted law in China, uh, the National Intelligence Law of 2017, does many things. But the main thing is that it mandates, that is, it's absolutely uh, imperative that companies or individuals who are in possession of intellectual property that the Chinese Communist Party wants, you must share that with the Chinese government or the PLA first. Um, and there's lots of examples of that happening. Um, so when Huawei says we don't share information, they don't have a choice. Because the, the other thing, under the National Intelligence Law of 2017, there are penalties for non-compliance with this law. And they're not small than financial. Um, Huawei, and, and as well as many other um, Chinese companies, like the Google also practice this policy that we call Rob Replicate Replace. And it's a really, I think, simple way of saying uh, the three-step process where, where Huawei, and I can give an example, Northern Telecom or Cisco, Huawei has stolen or robbed the intellectual property. They replicated that um, that uh, uh, product, and then they replaced the company first in China and then rest of the world. And that act, that happened with Northern Telecom, which was the largest uh, telecom company uh, in uh, in Canada. Uh, it was in partnership with Huawei back in the early nineties. Where the telecom doesn't exist. Um, and just very briefly, uh, background of Huawei build out the very first um, contract Huawei had outside of China uh, post 9 11. It was uh, a contract with Saddam Hussein to build out the network. And again, um, uh, same year to, to do uh, the network from Backbone in, uh, in Afghanistan. And it's interesting, not only post 9-11, but all around where U.S. forces you know, had their um, bases. 2003, very well known, I remember this well, uh, Huawei was accused of stealing the source code of Cisco. Very famous case, went to court, and, and they, anyway, they settled out the court, and the bottom line was Huawei um, uh, agreed not to uh, utilize 
the technology that they had somehow acquired uh, for, for any further benefit to cease and desist on that. I mean, I think. Uh, 2005, as I mentioned, uh, worked for, for British Long Time, I remember at the time, the biggest, um, actually this was the, the largest contract of its type um, in, the, in, the, in the Western world for uh, a build out of a new generation 21st century network, went out to bid to all of the major countries and Huawei won that uh, in the UK. It was, it was a huge, huge deal at the time. And, and since Huawei, Huawei is now in over, over 80 countries now. I did have a list, and it's just a few couple of days here and there. It's pretty much changing on a monthly basis. <coughs> so anyway, uh, all of this, um, you can see why uh, U.S. companies, um, Japanese, German companies who have been on the receiving end or the victory end of a client environment look like today. Um, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly because we've talked a lot about it. Um, up to now, uh, I mentioned where current situation in the U.S. US government, entity list, we know Huawei. Um, Huawei and the U.S. has been on this, um, some people call it charm offensive, um, a conven convincing a pressure campaign to, to have other countries uh, refused to use Huawei. I, I think this is a largely unsuccessful campaign that the U.S. has done so far, and for a lot of the reasons I already mentioned. It's very difficult, if not impossible, not to go with Huawei 5G if you already have Huawei 4G. That's a situation with Germany. Germany supposedly hasn't made this decision. I think it's going to go the way the U.K. The U.K. couldn't afford not to use Huawei for 5G. Um, Thus, Huawei's leading supplier of every continent except North America. Um, and, and as I said before, uh, if you want 5G um, and you have 4G with Huawei, you can't go with someone else because it's interoperable. Um, and, and I mentioned uh, this already before, Huawei and 5G. We know the equipment for a fact has been utilized to capture, to exfiltrate data, and gotten back to Chinese Communist Party. Um, and so just a couple of other uh, data points. This one actually comes from the Department of Justice, the, the briefing that I told you about uh, uh, last week. From our perspective, we see China using every lever of power to expand their 5G market share. It is absolutely, fundamentally, crucially important to China to, to be the leader on 5G. Um, and just a couple of data points in terms of money. So that if the market is 76 billion, one of the things that, uh, that we were briefed on is China's offering. This is China-backed banks and companies, right? $100 billion in incentives for customers to use Huawei equipment. That's another thing that makes it very difficult for um, nations or companies to use someone other than Huawei because um, 
Huawei's terms uh, in purchasing uh, the 5G kit are so attractive that by comparison, Nokia and Ericsson really can't compete. Even though their technology um, certainly can do the same, uh, it may be um, it, it may be better technology. It's just not the point. Um, and uh, we're finding that where companies or government agencies, nations have a choice between Huawei or not, it's compelling back with all these financial terms, no interest and no money down and cheaper price, it's um, a compelling additional point. Um, last slide on the current situation, I mentioned about semiconductors. This is a, um, here's an example of okay, so semiconductors. China consumes 50% of the semiconductor market. You know. Um, a, an example of the rod replicate in the place I was going to give is Micron. Micron is the fifth largest chip manufacturer in the world. And also a um, company that I know quite a bit about. And in any case, in 2018, um, Micron was the victim of an insider threat, a very sophisticated insider threat campaign where, long story short, a China, Chinese-backed startup, Chinese startup, <coughs> Fujianhua, acquired illegally uh, the IP for Micron's new DRAM chip. Long story short, uh, Fujianhua started making this chip uh, that was in, not only in competition to Micron, but it took Micron's IP to make this chip, and then the Chinese government issued an edict banning Micron for sell selling their chip in China any longer after they've stolen that key from Micron. Anyway, long story short, that is now, um, it's one of the cases that DOJ is is pursuing now. Uh, there's a cease and desist on Fujianwad for selling their chip and, and they're basically suing the, the people involved from, from China that um, it's one of many cases that the U.S. DOJ has against um, Chinese entities that, that there is a demonstrable um, chain, uh, if you will, provable that China actually did steal this technology from Central Anyway, I don't want to get into it. It's a, it's a great case, and if you read the charging documents of, of, of this, it reads like a spy novel. You kind of see like how how it was all perpetrated. Um, I already talked about the dominance. Uh, dominance of 5G uh, also uh, is related to the dominance in AI. Um, so you can see how with all of this, um, 5G is, is a compelling tool in the economic warfare between the U.S. and our allies and uh, in China. Primarily, as you see, it's the U.S. and China. And so I'll just leave you with this, um, with China's, um, let's say, activities uh, in this space. It really does require U.S. and their allies to do something. We, we've got to um, 
come up with some type of government and private sector partnership of how do we counter this. So that let me hear what you've done. The last one. Um, <coughs> some options. First of all, the first two, very general. Um, this is something that I think every company or leader that I talk to in different governments say, I didn't know that. You know what? I need my people to know that. Or if we just had more of a general awareness of this fact, that is just 5G. What 5G can do, what are the benefits, what are the risks, what are things you're looking out for. So I think uh, awareness training should be mandatory for every company and every government. And the other thing that, that I, I hear a lot, um, but is it is it logical that you ask me that's government agencies, uh, corporations, academia, to, to not do business with or in China? Mm -hmm.